is your life, and it's ending one minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see. Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are brittle. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. In today's episode, I sit down with sleep hacker Ben Olson. Ben is the managing director at Retimer, a university-backed biohacking gadget designed to improve the quality of your sleep and help you wake up feeling more rested. In today's modern existence, working irregular hours, living through the winter months, too much time spent indoors, and traveling to different time zones are all scenarios which can have an adverse effect on your energy, mood, and productivity. Each of these can be minimized simply by retiming your body's circadian rhythm with natural light therapy and advanced sleep biohacks. In today's episode, Ben shares an uncommon 30-minute biohack that lets you sleep less and wake up feeling even more alert and energetic. We talk about numerous strategies to overcome insomnia and or restlessness and explore three commonly overlooked causes of suboptimal sleep, as well as three advanced strategies for hacking sleep to optimize energy and focus. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Ben Olson. Hey everyone, I know you'll enjoy the interview. If you'd like to learn more of my top biohacking secrets, get a free copy of my best-selling book called The Biohacker's Guide to Upgraded Energy and Focus for free at biohackersguide.com. It's over 500 pages of my top biohacks and I'll send it to you for free if you cover a small shipping cost. Get your free copy at biohackersguide.com. Ben, how are you? Good morning. Good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for taking the time. First off, thank you. Uh, thank you for sending over the glasses. I, I love them. Sure. I've been actually using them in a, in a lot of our, our free videos just that we, that we put out. They're my new favorite pattern interrupt. Like you throw these things on and make a video and, and everyone wants to watch it to figure out what the yeah. you've got on your head. <laughs> if you go to the media review page of our website, you can see that it's got global attention. And one of the reasons for that, apart from it being a very cool biohacking device, is the fact that it's a great visual. People respond to it. People want to put it on camera, which is cool. Yeah, it, it's it's great for you guys. So that was I don't know if that was a coincidence or uh, or pl- pre planned, but either way, it, it worked out brilliantly. Yeah, more of a coincidence, I think. Um, <laughs> it was the, the the design is purely functional. Um, it was invented by Professor Leon Lack, and he was part of the design team the whole way through. So it was definitely um, from a functional perspective, from a researcher's perspective, and it just so happens we've. Wound up with something which is most people think is pretty cool. <laughs> that I, well, that's a pretty a pretty good segue. Maybe you can give a little bit of background. I mean, we'll just kind of we'll, we'll jump into it um, and and you know keep it kind of fun and conversational. But you mentioned Professor Leon Lack, uh, and please correct me if I if I butchered his name. How how did this device come to be? How is it conceptualized? And uh, just just walk me through uh, the beginning here. Sure. So Professor Leon Lack from Flinders University in Australia, who was actually originally from uh, Northern California um, and relocated to Australia years ago. He spent or has spent about 25, 30 years researching uh, light and in particular the ability of light to influence our circadian rhythms, that is our biological rhythms that change over a 24-hour cycle. 
Um, and he became really intrigued um, by light and light therapy. He is a practicing sleep psychologist as well as a researcher. So he was interested with light. He was interested, of course, with sleep because that's his background. Uh, and just kept researching and researching. And he found some really cool stuff. He found out things like blue light and green light when it reaches your eyes has the power to reset your sleep patterns. Um, and in contrast, red light, for example, if you were to use red LEDs uh, and emit that onto your eyes, then that wouldn't do anything. Yeah, so when we, we, um, so when we do our trial work, um, or all universities do their trial work, they actually use red as the placebo. Um, ah. So it's, it's fascinating, you know, that the work that Leon, Professor Leon Lack has done has really identified uh, different light wavelengths and, and what they can do to your sleep pattern. And, and what are some of the, I mean, there's a lot of interesting things that you mentioned there. So many people are becoming more aware of the fact that blue light can interfere with melatonin production when, when we're trying to wind down and go uh -huh. to bed at night. And that's, that's why there's this, you know, you get the advice, okay, shut down all electronics at least an hour before you go to bed because your cell phone, your laptop, your television, all these things are emitting blue light that, that suppress your body's natural melatonin production. And then, and, and, and beyond that, just stimulate our brain and can keep us up at night and, mm -hmm. and make it more difficult to, to not just fall asleep, but get into some of the deeper stages of sleep that are restorative and, um, and, and enhance cognitive function and physical regeneration. But you're saying, uh, which is, which I haven't heard, but makes a lot of sense is that blue light and green light when used early in the day can actually help wake us up and, and have positive effects on our circadian rhythm so it's not just it's not all bad yeah exactly exactly so the blue and green wavelengths um when they're received by the eye they do suppress melatonin as you say and that helps regulate your body clock now before bed that's a bad thing unless you deliberately want to make yourself stay up later but it can be a good thing if you use it first thing in the morning um, because it helps set your rhythm and helps wake you up it actually makes you, it gives you a burst of energy first thing in the morning as well. Um, so uh, blue and green light first thing in the morning. Um, so if you, if you wake up at 6.30 a.m., then make sure you get some light at 7 a.m. iglist. And you can do that one of two ways. Um, if it's a bright blue sky and, the, and you're lucky enough to have lots of sun around, um, then that's a great option. Go for a jog, go for a walk. Get at least 30 minutes of that bright blue sky. Um, but if you're in a part of the world where you're not fortunate enough to have that blue sky first thing in the morning and, and lots of bright light, then you can use a product uh, such as the Retimer, um, which will is purpose-built to um, give you the exact dose of light uh, that you need first thing in the morning. It's um, so I'm I'm wearing the Retimer glasses right now, and I I did a, a short little video yesterday where I was just hanging out with I was wearing the Retimer glasses, and I had the the Valky Human Charger in my ears, and I was sitting in in I've got a little spot that I jokingly call the sun seat uh, at our at our biohacking mm -hmm. place in in Chicago, where I've got some UVA and UVB lights from you know that are originally designed for bird and reptile aviaries, and then you got the white light and things like that, but just like you said, there is no substitute for full spectrum sunlight. And yet I feel like light, uh, it, it's, it's so obvious. We all know that life on earth is not possible without the sun and, or would not be possible without the sun. But many people don't yet subscribe to the idea that we need light. Uh, we need sunlight to optimize our health. What are you seeing in the research 
for people that that maybe you know they're they're myopically focused on nutrition and exercise, but haven't yet made a concerted effort to get more sunlight or use tools like the retimer. What are you seeing in, in the lab with, uh, you know, anecdotally, can you shed some light, <laughs> no pun intended, on that? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, you know, one of the things um, that's been easy to notice over the last 10, 15 years is that when recruiting people to do these kind of trials, you first have to find the people that are finding it difficult to sleep and put them through a screening process. Um, that's getting easier and easier to find those people because the incidence of um, circadian rhythm issues where, where your body clock is all over the place um, is going up, up and up. Um, and that's a product of us spending, you know, you get out of bed, you're in artificial lighting at home. You then jump in the car, you go to work early in the morning, and then all day you're under artificial lighting again. That's not you know, that's, that's a very unusual thing for the human body. You know, we were designed to be exposed to light throughout the day. So it's no wonder that people are increasingly finding it tough to sleep at regular times. That is, consistently go to bed at 10 p.m. and consistently wake up at 6 a.m., for example. Mm. Um, our rhythms are all over the place. And, you know, for many people, the answer is simply just getting light at the right times. They don't necessarily need to be taking medication or other things. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing increases in uh, disturbance of sleep. And if people could just time light at the right times, uh, they'd find they'd get a much better night's sleep for sure. So Dr. neurosurgeon Dr. Jack Cruz, he's pointed out some of the intricate ways that light interacts and interfaces with the body biologically through the retina how it, it, when, when full-spectrum sunlight and tyrosine interact, they help to produce higher levels of dopamine. I, I'm just seeing all these different light hacks and what works anecdotally and the way that, that they influence people. You've got things like the Vi-Light now where you've got this, this, these uh, transcranial light, both infrared and in the you know, six, 655, 660 nanometer red spectrum. You've got the retimer glasses. It seems like light also has ways of influencing the brain, perhaps perhaps as deep as the substantia nigra and, and, and uh, elevating dopamine levels. Are you guys seeing research that is confirming that, that light through the eyes, perhaps through the skull, through the ears, maybe even the mouth, is able to influence the brain in ways that we didn't think possible? There's a lot of new interesting research around. Um, the space we focus on is sleep, and in particular, the ability of light to be received by photoreceptors in the eyes and then to suppress melatonin. Um, and the research around that isn't actually new. Um, it's ongoing, but it's been around for two decades. It's very well established, and we absolutely know that to suppress melatonin, you need blue wavelengths and green wavelengths. Um, one or the other or together. Um, so that, that's something we understand very well, and that's where retimer focuses its time. Um, no doubt that there is uh, other wavelengths of light which would do other things for the body, but we, we, we in particular focus very narrowly on blue and green and its uh, ability to be able to help you sleep better. So when I'm wearing the glasses and, I, and I'm seeing what, I what my brain interprets as green light, is there mm. is is there is it a combination of blue and green that but I'm I'm interpreting it as green or did you guys choose green over blue and if so why? 
It's a very good question. So the answer, it visibly, it does look greener than blue, um, but it, it's a combination of both. It starts at 450 nanometers and goes all the way through to about 550. So it's it's you know pure blue and pure green coming together. Um, we've used that combination for a couple of reasons. One, we know that the blues and the greens are the best in terms of efficacy. Uh, and number two as well, safety. So for all products which emit light, there are standards which say that the eye can only receive so much blue light. Um, because when, it, when we're talking about full spectrum light, we're concerned about things such as you know, UVA, UVB, uh, things that the eye we don't need on the eye because they're not going to they're not going to help the sleep pattern and they're not they're not healthy for us either. Um, and also, you can add to UVA and UVB too much blue. Too much blue is not a good thing, and therefore we've got to be very strict with how much blue we actually emit onto the eye. Um, so, for for reasons of safety and performance together, we've gone with the combination. That makes sense. So we know that melatonin and cortisol somewhat oppose one another in the body. And, and so as, as melatonin uh, goes down, cortisol has a tendency to go up and, and vice versa. There's this growing awareness and increasing incidences of adrenal fatigue in, in society, not just in the U.S., but even across the world. People are utilizing caffeine and stimulants and they're they're working more uh, experiencing chronic stress at the uh, not just because they're not getting as much sleep but because they're in increasing demands for our time with family and financial etc have you found that by helping people to lower their melatonin levels in the morning and probably conversely have a more healthy melatonin release at night have you seen an improvement in cortisol regulation in the body and, and perhaps even consequently, those individuals that are dealing with fatigue from uh, you know, what would be referred to as adrenal fatigue or cortisol dysregulation, have you seen improvements in those individuals just by using the retimer glasses? Well, we, we sell a lot of retimers to sleep clinics, um, both in the US and in Europe and around the world. And the way, if someone presents to a sleep clinic and, and they're not sleeping properly and their body clock's all over the place, uh, there can be a lot of reasons for it. One of the first things they will do is to try and stabilize the sleep cycle of the user that comes to them. So many times they'll use light to do that as a first step. And if you can have a degree of confidence that uh, the melatonin production is relatively consistent, uh, then you can start looking at other factors. So certainly the use of light to regulate and normalize the sleep rhythm is the first step. And then after that, we can certainly start looking at things such as uh, lifestyle factors, uh, stress, uh, too much caffeine later in the day, um, sleep hygiene, um, which is, you know, uh, avoiding the use of uh, devices before bed, which might be emitting blue light, so on and so forth. So um, regulating your sleep cycle with light is definitely the cornerstone uh, and then looking at different behavioral factors as well. It's very, very common. I'd be curious on your interpretation. There's a lot of people that feel like some, some humans are either night owls and some humans are more, you know, larks, morning people. I was one of those individuals that considered myself a night owl all of my life until I eventually had 
I, I, I got sick, you know, it, it started experiencing what, what we categorize as Lyme's disease. And, and when I needed to get better, I said, all right, I, I, I can't be staying up till two, three, four in the morning if, if I want to get healthy. And, and we, are, we, we have experiences where we go camping, we're outside, we're getting lots of sunlight, fresh air, we're moving and breathing, just living a more ancestral lifestyle. And when you're camping, mm. you're falling asleep at eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. Even even the people and even the people that consider themselves night owls, once you put the electronics away and you you do you you get your light and you move and you breathe, you're falling asleep at a more normal time. Do you think that this concept of certain people being night owls is a little bit of a myth, and that we all thrive at a more is it is it ten to six? Because once I made a concerted effort to start correcting those things. And making myself get up earlier, making myself go to bed earlier, making myself get light, my sleep cycle started normalizing. Do you think that this whole night owl concept is a bit of a myth? And it's if, if people made efforts like using retimer glasses, getting light early in the day, that they would be closer to a, 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 a more natural sleep cycle? Yeah, that's quite possible. I mean, what's interesting is, I mean, it's, it's a very interesting, you know, uh, case study you've given. If you take yourself out of your current environment and put yourself into more of a um, traditional environment, then uh, will that actually change? The, the, the thing is, a lot of the times people just don't have that option. They feel like they are locked in to the current lifestyle. And we do what we can in terms of trying to assist, but um, it's very difficult to take people out of their current lifestyle and ask them to give up a lot of those things. It, it seldom happens, I guess, in our experience. Um, but it's, it's certainly an interesting case study. What we do know is that some, uh, as you go through life, your sleep patterns change. So a teenager, for example, teenagers um, uh, have quite, quite often what we call a delayed sleep cycle. Um, and then as you grow older, uh, 60, 70 years old, you, you, your body clock starts advancing. So you naturally want to go to bed earlier and earlier. And that's termed advanced phase sleep. So teenagers are notorious for going to bed late. And that's natural. It's not just because of technology and, and habits. Um, irrespective of that, they tend to have a, a later timed body clock anyway. Um, and then as we get older, it reverses and we start going to bed earlier and earlier naturally. So I think there's some things that are kind of ingrained in the body, um, but certainly the behavioral aspects, um, modern lifestyles, if you were to take some of those things away, would it improve and normalize sleep patterns? Yeah, absolutely. That, that definitely makes sense. And you mentioned teenagers. What age range are you referring to? Where it's uh, you know, so if we have parents listening, they've got and they've got teenagers, and maybe they're trying to to take their teenagers and put them, get them to start going to bed earlier, and then they hear this and they're like, oh well, maybe it's normal that my teenager stays up late. What age range roughly does that does that tend to influence and apply to? Uh, what's worse, kind of fifteen to eighteen, but really it can start earlier than that, and it can go into your early twenties. So it's a very common thing to happen. The best thing for teenagers with a delayed body clock is to be getting light first thing in the morning, um, and also sleep hygiene before bed. So trying to avoid technology or overstimulating themselves as as much as possible before bed. Um, so if they can if they can get up and get a bright dose of light first thing in the morning, then that always helps to try and uh, normalize the sleep pattern. Very cool. There was there was a pretty interesting study that came out w within the past twelve months. I think I believe it came out of UCLA, and it was it was looking at the sleep patterns of of three different hunter gatherer groups, um, and and they used activity trackers 
to to see how light and circadian rhythm and, and different environmental factors influence their sleep and and they were seeing that there weren't you know there there weren't these small pockets of oh some of the hunter gatherer groups are are night owls some of them are larks and there was that correlation with with light but they also found an interesting connection between wake sleep cycles and ambient temperature e- even a- as much as light if not if not more, was people started falling asleep. These hunter-gatherer cultures started falling asleep when there was a drop in ambient temperature and, and waking up as the sun rose and, and the temperature started, um, started going up. Is that something that you guys, have you guys utilized the manipulation of ambient temperature, um, whether that's like turning, you know, turning the heat down, AC up when people are are starting to wind down at night is is that something that you've included in your recommendations for sleep hygiene? Uh, certainly, you want to be comfortable when you go to bed. Um, you don't want to be too hot and you don't want to be too cold. Um, and one of the things we do in the research of assessing the effect of light on the body uh, there's there's a couple of there's two ways really that we that we assess the effect of light. One is of course melatonin, and you can take a melatonin sample simply through a saliva swab. Or, or urine, but we, we tend to use um, saliva swabs and we, we take those every 30 minutes to an hour to see where the melatonin is sitting and, and what level it's at. And the second, um, of course, is uh, core body temperature because we know that will fluctuate as well. There's a relationship between your melatonin production and core body temperature. So um, they're two things that we use when we do research, um, which give us a gauge on the effectiveness of light and how it's shifting your sleep cycle. Um uh, so, uh, but just as a as a general rule, you definitely need to be comfortable when you go to bed. And everyone everyone has a slightly different temperature. It's really what works for you, uh, and people need to take that on board. If someone wanted to to biohack their sleep, so let's say they've they've gone and and like me picked up a pair of retimer glasses, they're um, making sure that they're comfortable at night, maybe even keeping their their uh, environment a little bit cooler and they also want to check their melatonin levels what type of of swab do you guys use is there is there a company a brand a laboratory that you work with is this something that can be purchased at a consumer level no you know what it's a really interesting question uh no to the best of my knowledge it can't be purchased at a consumer level uh it's very expensive um, I ended so the lab that we run our melatonin samples through for one individual for one night that can cost us five or six hundred dollars wow. uh, worth of testing for them to provide the provide the swabs, take them back to the lab, uh, get them processed, and then get a report written up on them because uh, it's obviously a very carefully controlled process. Um, when we're talking about university research, there's lots of checks and balances, so um, it would be fascinating to have a commercially available consumer version of the melatonin swab available. Um, I'm not aware of one existing, but it, it would be a very interesting thing to see on the marketplace because everyone would want to see that. It would be great to track your melatonin levels and see exactly where they sit. I agree. So a call to all entrepreneurs listening, if you're able to create a commercially available melatonin testing kit or swab that is affordable to individuals <laughs> at, at, at we a, might yeah yeah we, we could collaborate on that one so I, if anyone wants to collaborate with retimer on that one there we go there we go let's make it happen um in in the meantime though that type of research and data collection is limited to the tony starks of the world in in, in what you're seeing 
is health optimized in a wake or a sleep wake cycle of roughly 10, 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. or is that also uh, a little bit different per individual? It's a little bit different per individual, um, but generally speaking, you've got to be synced with night and day. Um, it's very difficult for someone, and we get this all the time. It's very difficult for a night shift worker to come home at 4 a.m. and then try and sleep for eight hours. Um, it's extremely difficult. It's if it's the routine really, you know, we are designed to be synced with our environment. So when the sun comes up, generally speaking, you should get up. When the sun goes down, then you want to be winding down and preparing for, for bed. So, you know, everyone is a little bit different. Um, some people need to sleep nine hours a night. Some people are perfectly fine sleeping, you know, five and a half or six. It's a very unique thing. Uh, there's no absolute rule for anyone. You know, and, and sometimes people complain that they only get five and a half hours or six hours of sleep a night. It's not actually the time that's the issue. It's do you feel um, recuperated? Do you feel awake and alert the next day? If the answer is no, then it's a problem. If the answer is yes, you feel fine after five and a half hours of sleep. That's few people, by the way, but some people are in that bracket. Uh, then you're okay. You actually don't have an issue. A lot of people obsess about the number of hours. It's not the number of hours. It's how you feel the next day. Do you feel rested? Mm -hmm. It can be challenging to quantify because of the availability of stimulants and uh, you, you've got coffee, you've got caffeine pills, you've got Adderall and Ritalin and these, this whole category of prescription drugs now and, and a lot of people using them. So that makes it more challenging for us to even tune into how we really feel if within an hour of waking up, you're taking 10 to 20 milligrams plus of, of a stimulant of Adderall or, or, or 100 to 200 milligrams plus of, of caffeine. For sure. And you know what? We, we shouldn't need to. If, we, if you're living a healthy lifestyle, if you're eating well, if you are getting exercise, if you are sleeping when you should, then you shouldn't need stimulants throughout the course of the day. Um, you know, some people just get into the habit of doing it and then it's very hard to break that habit. Caffeine can be a hard habit to kick. Um, but generally speaking, we shouldn't need them. Mm -hmm. How do you use the retimer glasses? Well, I travel, um, fortunately or unfortunately, I travel every month for work, either to Europe or, or back to Australia. So uh, I use them for uh, to reduce the effects of jet lag all the time. Um, it's it's a big uh, change in time zones where whenever I travel, unless I'm traveling domestically. Um, and so, uh, for example, when I come from Australia to America, I'll be using Retimer first thing in the morning to try and adjust myself to Austin time before I even leave Australia. Um, and then vice versa, when I head back to Australia, I'm using it in the evening to try and stay up later uh, to delay my body clock. So. I use it all the time for jet lag, and occasionally, um, if it's uh, cloudy skies here in Austin, which it sometimes is, this time of year, then I'll use it first thing in the morning as well, just for even if 15 or 20 minutes, I find, gives me an energy boost. When it comes to sleep hygiene, we've mentioned a few things sprinkled throughout this interview. If you were to summarize the most important ones, and then maybe a couple that are lesser known, what would... What would be your recommendations? You've got someone here, they're, they're sitting down with you and they're saying, my sleep schedule is completely messed up. I wake up throughout the night. I have difficulty falling asleep. Uh, I go to bed late, all of those things. How would you tell them to utilize, like specific, if you were to give them a protocol, 
How would you tell them to utilize the retimer glasses? What else would you have them do, etc.? I'd do three things. Number one, I would avoid light before bed and avoid stimulus before bed. Number two, I would go to bed only when you felt tired. People sometimes make the mistake of, you know, uh, I'll hop in bed at 9 p.m. and hopefully I'll fall asleep quickly. And 10 o'clock comes around, they're still awake. 10.30 comes around, they're still awake. All that does is build anxiety. And it actually makes it harder to fall asleep eventually. So um, I would say um, fall asleep only when you feel tired. And then third, I'd get bright light first thing in the morning within about 30 minutes of waking up. Um, if, if you have the time and you're in the location where you can afford to get at least a minimum of 30 minutes bright light, first thing in the morning, great, go out, go for a walk, go for a jog. If not, then uh, substitute like a retimer might be a good answer for you. But one of the, one of the things that people overlook is um, just that anxiety factor, feeling like they have to hop in bed by a certain time. You don't. In fact, research is showing that hopping in bed early and lying there and hoping and, and wanting to go to sleep quickly um, just builds up anxiety and it, it compounds and makes it harder and harder to fall asleep. Um, you need to relax um, and you need to hop in bed when you feel tired so that you fall asleep quickly. That makes sense. And I, have, I give similar recommendations to clients who are struggling with this stuff and I'll do it almost the reverse. I'll say, all right, if, we, if we're trying to regulate your sleep-wake cycle, don't start by going to bed early and, and hoping you magically fall asleep. Start by taking a couple days and forcing yourself to get up early and then immediately getting that light, ideally combined with exercise, as you mentioned. So uh, you get outside, you exercise, you physically exert yourself in a way that's not going to induce injury, of course, but you, you, know, you go for a brisk walk or a jog come back, even if you want to make it better, put on, put on a pair of retimer glasses, and then you'll be a lot more likely to be able to fall asleep. So it's like, if you, if you focus on waking up, it makes it easier to get in bed and fall asleep. And, um, and as you mentioned, you don't want to go to bed and just lie there. I've seen, um, this was somewhat recently, I had a client who did one-on-one -on -one coaching and she, uh, we, we'd been doing where the clients would come and they would, um, they would actually stay with me in Chicago. And this was before we'd done any actual coaching. She wanted to start with an intensive. And we went to bed. I don't remember. It was probably 10.30 or 11. And uh, I, I, I got up to go to the washroom. And she was in bed on her cell phone. And, uh, and I, I realized, I was like, that doesn't really count as, as getting in bed and hoping to fall asleep if you're in there having that blue light emitted, stimulating yourself yeah. on social media and checking your email and this and that. So it's, it's kind of like a combination of all these things. And I think the data can be manipulated because you may be working with someone and they'll tell, they'll tell you, they'll say, hey, Ben, I, I got in bed at 10 o'clock last night, but I didn't fall asleep until midnight. They may leave out the fact that they were, that they were scrolling through Facebook and, and hand, sending out work emails and stuff like that on their cell phone. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, yep, sleep hygiene is absolutely a critical factor before you go to bed, um, not only because of the, the light on the eyes, but also just because um, you don't want to overstimulate yourself um, and get your mind racing before bed. You want to relax as much as possible. What are, what are some of your favorite biohacks for increasing energy and focus? What are, the, some, what are some of the things that you do? 
I actually do. So uh, this is a, I do some behavioural things before bed. Um, I have a pretty busy lifestyle, as you might imagine. Um, so I, I mean, this is a very simple behavioural technique. But what I do before bed is um, a bit of meditation, which I find uh, certainly helps me relax, uh, kind of wipes away the day, and helps me jump into bed. Um, but something, something else. I've, I've tried is uh, something called sleep retraining and uh, that's where I allow myself to fall asleep for two or three minutes before waking myself up and then I repeat that process. I allow myself to sleep, to go to sleep for two or three minutes and then I wake myself up again. That's a process called sleep retraining and it induces the sensation of falling asleep and research has shown that if you induce that sensation of falling asleep, over and over, um, it helps you to fall asleep quickly. So that's that's a really interesting one, um, which isn't actually used by too many people, but it's um, it's a serious technique, uh, and there's a lot of really good research behind that one. That's that's really exciting. I'm, I'm not familiar with that, and I'm thinking in terms of implementation. How how do you wake yourself up? How do you know you've been asleep for two or three minutes in order to wake yourself up? You know, that's an interesting question. We have a prototype device that we've been working on and we're going to be launching towards the end of this year. We haven't finalized the date, but we've been working on something in-house, something that nobody's ever done before, and uh, it'll give you the power to do exactly that. So I've been trialing it myself and others in our network have been trialing it. And yeah, I, I probably can't say too much more about that one, but uh, it's a really cool device. It's a world first. And there we go. I wasn't planning on talking with you about it but uh you've got an exclusive first time we've spoken about it publicly i think so um, very, very exciting I'm, I'm like a kid on christmas morning yeah, right now yeah well I'll, I'll have i'll now that now that we've spoken about it i'll have to keep you in the loop about that one because uh it is very cool it's um it's something that's actually you know it's if you go through the archives of different research articles from universities you actually find it come up time and time again but no one's ever done anything with it no one's ever taken it from taking that step of taking something from well, this from the lab and then you know putting it into something that people can actually buy at an affordable price and then use in their own home mm-hmm. um and that's that's what we want to do and that's what we're kind of in the process of doing now so um so that's a very cool project and i will make sure i, I keep you and your tribe up to date on that one for sure yeah please yeah. please do and if you in the meantime if you need anyone else to uh, to guinea pig it, I, I would be more than happy and, and honored to do so. Is there? Do you guys know your uh, what the website will be for that? If people want to stay up to date on it, or is um, is it best to to subscribe to the Retimer newsletter and you'll you'll put things out through that? What's the best process for someone hearing this that's like me and and, and giddy about uh, sleep retraining and wanting to utilize that technology? Um, we have so there's not there's not any information on the website, but there's certainly um, a website where you can put down your name and email, and we will send you updates once they become available uh, and once we start communicating. And that website is thim.io. So t h i m dot i o thim dot i o. Fantastic. I will I will be going there uh, <laughs> shortly. <laughs> how how do you meditate? You mentioned meditation before bed. There's hundreds of different ways. How do you do it? I, I have a, a cut-down version, which I use, and that is simply finding a quiet space um, and breathing techniques, um, which come from yoga classes that I've done in the past. So I simply just do the breathing techniques 
uh, run through things that went well for the day, things that didn't go well, um, and then start focusing on the next day. And I find that works. I find it puts the, all the, the busyness of the current day behind me and kind of allows me to think afresh for what's coming up next and allows me to kind of work subconsciously on a few things for the next day as I'm sleeping as well. Um, so that's it's very simple, 10, 15 minutes, quiet space, um, breathing techniques, and that's pretty much it. I find that's enough to work for me. Do you do that in bed or do you do it somewhere else? Uh, in the bedroom, but not on the bed. Just sitting next to the bed usually works works well for me. Are you a subscriber to only using your bed for uh, two things, one of them being sleeping? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. There's no doubt about that. You've got a quarant- part of sleep hygiene is to quarantine that bed for two activities only. Absolutely. <laughs> Last question. I appreciate you being so generous with your time. What does your morning routine look like? Let's say the first 60 to 90 minutes of your day. Uh, my morning routine, uh, number one, is to get my one-year-old daughter out of bed um, and uh, make sure she has her sippy cup and she's good to go before my beautiful wife takes over. And then I'm Do you out put there. a pair of retimer glasses on her? No, no. There's no, there's no pair of retimers that will fit her head, unfortunately. She's a little bit young, um, but maybe one of the works. But uh, then uh, out there for a jog, 20 to 30 minutes, you know, I don't overexert myself. It's just enough to get the blood going. Uh, and then into the office, I like to start early. Um, I'm not one of these people that likes to be in the office at 11 p.m. at night. I'd rather start as early as I can. And what, what time are you waking up just so people have uh, an idea? I try and wake up 5.30 or 6. Okay, cool. Thank yep. you. Yep, I try and get going early, um, which means often when I'm jogging, it's still there's still not a lot of light. Light's only just coming up, and that's that doesn't do a lot because it's not just the wavelength of light on the eyes, it's uh, how much energy you actually get on the eyes. Um, so you, you need a, a decent amount of light exposure. And you know when the sun is just coming up, there's still not a lot of light around. So I find that using reach time for 15, 20 minutes once I get into the office uh, and onto the computer um, is a good way to go as well, particularly uh, on those gloomy days. So I've been wearing the retimer glasses for the duration of our interview right now, which is at 40 minutes. Is that too long? Uh, no, 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 no. We rec- so we recommend no more than 60 minutes in any 24-hour period because that's, that's more than enough light. At, at that particular brightness and wavelength, that's more than enough light to uh, do the trick. There, there was a pretty funny, interesting movie that came out recently. I think it was 2015 called Eat the Sun. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not. <laughs> it, was, it was all based around... Uh, this subculture of, of people who sun gaze and, um, and and take time out of the day to look towards the sun. Not if it's during the day, not directly at the sun, but fifteen to twenty degrees off. Uh, if it's in the morning, watching the sunrise. If it's at night, watching the sunset. Those those periods allowing you to look a little bit more directly at the sun and how it's a practice that's been that's been going on for thousands of years in, in different cultures around the world. Do you have have you have you ever done sun gazing? Would you have any opinions on it? Or, or is it not something that you've thought too much about and, and given a lot of reflection? Um, I uh, I limit my light exposure typically to the morning as much as I can. First thing in the morning when it's a you know a very dull light uh, at that time of day. I think that's sufficient for me. And then I use something like a retimer, which is UV free, uh, later on in the morning. Um, but people know that they need to limit their sun exposure over the course of the day. You don't want to spend 10 continuous hours naked 
uh, in the bright summer sun. I think that's, you know, a bit silly. If you've got a uh, skin of my colour, certainly very silly to do. Uh, so uh, first thing in the morning for me and also a bit of a retimer uh, during the mid-morning is, uh, is the way I do things. Lovely, lovely, Ben. This is this has been great, very informative. I've I, I've I've learned a ton, and I'm particularly excited about sleep retraining. That's one thing that I haven't used, been aware of, or integrated into my routine. And I, I can say that I put in a lot of effort and made changes with regulating my sleep wake cycle. You know, once I realized that I needed to optimize my own health, and just by adding the retimer glasses above and beyond making a concerted effort to get full spectrum sunlight during the day and doing some of the things that you recommended, like getting outside, going for a light, easy jog, having having your skin and eyes exposed to that sunlight. Using your glasses has taken my sleep to a whole nother level. And I'm finding the more things I do, it's it's actually the amount of sleep that I need is is decreasing. It's like energy has a tendency to, I feel better with less sleep than I would have a year, two years ago, getting that same amount of sleep, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. And that's something we hear all the time, which is great, which is great. One of the very cool things about being involved with this company um, is that we brought something to market, which is genuinely helping people. You know, we get thank you notes, you know, written in hand um, by people that have struggled with sleep for a long time. And if you can stabilize your sleep pattern, normalize it, uh, and and maximize sleep quality, then it is the amount of natural energy you have during the course of the day makes such a difference. Um, and you know, a lot of people have lived with bad sleep for so long they've forgotten what it feels like to wake up in the morning and have energy and spring out of bed and do all the things you want to do. So um, yeah, it's a very you know we're we're really happy that we we brought this to market and um, we're looking forward to bringing the next thing to market as well. We think that'll be a lot of fun and help a lot of people. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that too. And, uh, and again, if there's any way that I could help with that, even if it's guinea pigging, just, just let me know after the interview and I would, I would be honored to. For people that are listening and they, they want to improve their sleep quality and the subsequent energy levels during the day so that they wake up and they've got the energy to jump out of bed and, and, and create the quality of life that they that they deserve where is the best place for them to learn more about the retimer glasses and perhaps even pick up a pair of their own sure so uh, the website is retimer.com which is r-e-hyphen-t-i-m-e-r.com there not only can you buy retimer but we have a free ebook written by professor leon lack and dr helen wright um it's a free resource and it it has many chapters in it, which um, it's cool because it explains everything about sleep. It explains how much sleep we need. Um, it explains uh, the requirement for sleep uh, and, and techniques for sleep. Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a really great resource. We get great feedback on it all the time. Uh, thousands of people have downloaded that thing. And, uh, you know, so some of those people will buy a retimer and some won't. But the important thing is people are getting a lot of really great information uh it's a great resource so if you have time retimer.com uh look for the ebook uh download and, and have a read of that very cool and that's re hyphen t-i-m-e-r.com that's it yep great great there's a lot of takeaways here a lot to implement especially if if it's an there's someone listening that's going to bed way later than they they know they should and 
they're struggling with their sleep. Ben, I really appreciate your time. If we, uh, do you guys do anything with discount codes where if we were to, uh, if we were to put together like a, a biohacks discount code, are people able to enter that at checkout to for for the retimer? Is that not something you guys have done yet, but maybe in the works? I uh, know we can do something like that. So maybe it's best that uh, we'll, we'll have a discussion after this. Um, we can organize a code and we can put that up on your website um, for people to access and use. Sounds great. So if people are listening to this after the fact, Ben and I will chat and we'll, the, the discount code that we will use will be biohacks, B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. And uh, that will get you something cool. We don't know what it is yet, but we'll, we'll figure out something for you. The, I, I fully endorse these glasses. Um, and, and again, you know, I've, I've been wearing them. I get a lot of sun and I still wear them every day. And they've continued to elevate the quality of, of my sleep and allow me to feel more rested and mentally sharp, even even with uh, somewhat decreased quantity. So I thank you for what you guys are doing, the products you're putting out there, and, uh, and, and, and please keep up the good work. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Um, it's been a pleasure, and I uh, hope we can talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Ben. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by thedoctor.com, spelled the dr.com, which is my go-to resource for gluten sensitivity and celiac disease information. I love a number of their products and I use a few of them myself and with clients dealing with food sensitivities, autoimmunity, leaky gut, digestive issues, celiac disease, and IBS. Number one is perhaps the supplement I use more than any other with my one-on-one clients to help heal the gut. And no, it's not a probiotic. It's Numedica G. GI Restore. GI Restore is a 100% pure bovine colostrum collected within the first 16 hours after birthing. It's a natural whole food that provides a rich source of IgG and PRP, which stands for proline-rich polypeptides, protein, immune factors, growth factors, vitamins, and minerals to support gut health and vitality naturally. GI Restore functions to support a reduction of intestinal-related issues, protect against irritations from toxins, and promote epithelial growth and repair. It's literally the only colostrum I use and recommend. My dad was diagnosed with Parkinson's in 2015. As you may know, emerging research implicates gluten sensitivity as a contributing factor for Parkinson's. I use GI Restore from thedoctor.com as a part of my wellness prevention protocol. It's amazing. You will thank me. New Medica GI Restore. The second is New Medica Gluten Sensitivity PRP Balance Spray. PRP Balance is a bovine colostrum based natural immune balancing spray. It contains proline-rich polypeptides, which help modulate normal immune responses. What are PRPs, you ask? PRPs are tiny information-carrying proteins with amazing adaptability. In times of intense physical stress, they help enhance immune activity by promoting the production of cytokines. In the opposite situation, when a healthy immune system reacts to environmental factors through cytokine production, PRPs send signals via specific cell receptor sites to decrease the production of cytokines in order to balance the immune system. PRPs also help regulate the thymus gland, which is the body's central command center for the immune system. You can think of them like adaptogens for the immune system, helping to stimulate an underactive immune system or helping to downregulate an overactive immune system. They inhibit the overproduction of lymphocytes and T-cells and may help reduce minor symptoms related to allergies, tenderness, and swelling. The two are a one-two punch for digestive, leaky gut, and autoimmune-related conditions, and I frequently include both in customized protocols for clients. Plus, it happens to taste like candy, which is a huge bonus. I love them, and I think you will 
Bill 2. So all you need to do to give them a try is go to thedr.com, click on products, and you can choose one of those two products, Numedica GI Restore, PRP Balance Spray. I recommend starting with Numedica GI Restore if you can only invest in one. There are also more than a dozen other products and biohacking approved books, white papers, and tips available on the site. It's that easy. Go to thedr.com. That's the T-H-E-D-R.com, my go-to resource for gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. Check them out and enjoy. This episode is brought to you by discovercbd.com. Now, many of us are familiar with the health benefits of medicinal marijuana and how this plant is now being legalized in many of the 50 states. These benefits come primarily from two cannabinoids in the marijuana plant, and that is CBD and THC. Now, where THC is responsible for many of the physiological effects that we experience when we inhale or ingest the marijuana plant, CBD produces a number of health benefits itself. However, it doesn't produce any of these physiological effects. In short, you get the benefits without feeling high. Now, many of the benefits of CBD include research pertaining to its enhancement in helping the body fight cancer, seizures, autism, pain management, anxiety, depression, sleep, psychosis, arthritis. People are even using it with their plants. And I have started using CBD on a daily basis. I've found it enhances my sleep. I feel more relaxed. I deal with less pains, aches, tightness, stiffness. I feel like I recover faster from my workouts. And some of my clients have even gotten miraculous results. I had one client, Everett, and um, his wife was dealing with some mood issues and feeling like she was stressed and anxious and having trouble sleeping. Within 48 hours of taking the recommended CBD oil that I prescribed, she was feeling amazing. And I got a glowing testimonial from Everett because both of their lives were better as a result. The two types of CBD oil that I have used and recommend are active CBD capsules and pure CBD oil. And for a limited time, you can save 10% on your first order at discovercbd.com by entering discount code biohacks. That's B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. And that website, one more time, is discover, D-I-S-C-O-V-E-R-C-B-D.com. So I recommend checking out CBD oil and seeing if it can produce some of these same benefits for you. I imagine you will enjoy it and not be disappointed. 